I also feel it's important that I demonstrate that willingness to take feedback for my staff so that they see this is okay. It's okay if I tell you I messed up. One of my goals for my staff is to provide a safe space so we can innovate, where we trust each other. We can try things, take risks. If we're not open to failure, we might not get to some new, really crazy new program for our staff. And so demonstrating that ability and hearing it and then sharing it back with them. So I think the piece of feedback that I heard and mentioned to you, Camaria, at Unleash America was from an employee who reports to me. Her name is Linda. And we were talking about it. And I said, Linda, I'm not getting this feedback that like the people, my direct reports feel pretty comfortable with me, Mm -hmm. but my indirect reports are afraid of me. And I'm thinking to myself, what's there to be afraid of? And she said, Marjorie, it's Marjorie, the person versus Marjorie, the VP. Tell me more about that. And she did. Welcome to Manager to Manager, a podcast about the experiences of people leaders and how we can enable them to lead engaged, healthy, and high-performing teams. I'm Kamaria Scott, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you join us as we learn, lead, and succeed together. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Manager to Manager. I know I always say that I am excited for today's guest, and today is no different. I am excited to introduce you to today's guest. We met a couple weeks ago at the Unleash conference, and we had the pleasure of sharing a panel together that was actually quite amazing and talked about DE&I. But it was the conversation that we had before the panel started that really stood out to me, where she shared some feedback that she'd received and how it affected her as people leader. And I really wanted to share that with you all. So I'd like to introduce you to my new friend, Marjorie Williamson. Marjorie, welcome. Hi. Nice to see you, Camaria. Nice to see you again. Would you mind telling the guests a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm Marjorie Williamson, and I lead Global Total Rewards and HR Operations at RTI International. RTI is an independent nonprofit research institute. We started 65 years ago as a collaborative with three of the universities in the area. We're in the Research Triangle Park area of North Carolina. I do have a background in several different industries. This is the first nonprofit I've worked for. I did work for a semiconductor organization. I've worked in pharma for quite some time. I worked for FedEx for a while and I worked in consulting. And so I have pretty broad experience in different industries and I do some things on the side. I am the executive sponsor for our accessibility employee resource group. I also am honored to be on the faculty of the World at Work organization, which is a premier professional organization for total rewards professionals. And I'm also on a steering committee of a collaborative called Wake Invest in Women, where our mission is to reduce the gender wage gap in the Wake County and surrounding areas. So I'm doing some fun things on the side too. That's amazing. And I think I heard the last time we talked, you were moving college students around as well. I am indeed. Yes, three boys. Must be fun. It's amazing to hear the work that you do and how much you give back both in your organization and your community. And I think what awed me when you and I spoke was the candidness that you had about your experience and the journeys along the way to where you are now. The theme was really around feedback. You were really candid in sharing some of the feedback that you received. So 
I wanted to jump into that today because as leaders, as senior leaders, especially who have accomplished so much, sometimes receiving feedback can be difficult, but it's something we definitely want to model for those that we lead. So I wanted to take you back to earlier in your career when you first started going into the workforce and figuring out your path. And I know you mentioned that there was some feedback that you received that really stood out to you. And I wanted to start there and you share it with me and the guests. Sure. So I call this experience my HR boot camp. I was the, at the time it was called personnel director for a hotel at the DFW airport that had about 400 employees. And oftentimes there would be 10 to 15 people who would be lined up outside my office and I had windows so I could see them. And they were there because I did everything HR. I did benefits and comp and all the hiring and all of that. And so there would be people in line to ask a question about their benefits to three people who wanted to be interviewed for jobs at the hotel. There would be someone who had a question about their paycheck, for example, because I cut the paycheck. So it was, it was, it, it was boot camp. <laughs> and so, and I remember at times the general manager of the hotel, his name is Dave Fulton, would walk by my window and he would signal to me to put lipstick on. And at the time, I'd roll my eyes and say, you see that there are 15 people outside my office and you are telling me to put lipstick on? <laughs> and, so, and I thought it was really ridiculous at the time. And I think that sometimes how feedback is, is sometimes at first it's a little bit like, okay, that's ridiculous, that's silly, or it feels like a kick in the gut, right? Mm -hmm. And But after I, I ruminated on that a bit, what I understood is that he was saying to me, Marjorie, you are acting as a representative of the hotel, and we need you to look calm and pull together and part of that is ensuring that you have executive presence. And so that was kind of the beginning of me learning, okay, it can't just be the authentic self marjorie who's pulling her hair out because there are 15 people <laughs> waiting for me at, outside my office. So there's like this balancing. It's interesting how feedback can age because looking back on that, the impact it has is probably someone who is really just trying to get through. But I need to also think about how others perceive me. And I think we carry that with us throughout our careers. So that's an interesting one. Is there anything else that stands out to you? Is there anything else that kind of shaped how you developed through your career? There actually are several. So I think about after that job at the hotel, I was fortunate enough to go to work for an organization called Criterion Incorporated. It was a consulting and software firm, and I was a young compensation consultant and software implementer. So I would go out to clients and I would help them develop comp programs and then automate them on software that the organization built. And I had been to the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and did some training for them. And they always have an opportunity to provide feedback on the consultants that work with them. And the feedback I got is actually from someone with whom I'm still working, working again, I should say, and my first compensation mentor, his name is Steve Green. And I remember him telling me that the Federal Reserve Bank had given him feedback that I was essentially too bubbly, too bubbly, too bubbly. And so I, and it, it really hurt. Like that was one of the kick in the gut things. Like, why would that be a problem? And so I, again, I stepped back and I thought about it. Okay, here I am coming from this hotel where I dressed up 
like an elf at Christmas, right? <laughs> probably probably worked <laughs> to a professional consulting firm where the people with whom I was consulting had many more years of experience. I'm this young blonde woman coming in in the mid to late 20s, telling them how they should do it when they have 20 years of experience, right? And so it was a it was a learning for me in a couple ways. One is that I need to know my audience yes. and that in that situation, I needed to pull in and be a professional in order to build that credibility because they're looking at me and they're like, what's she going to say to me? How's she going to tell us how to do anything better, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so I changed my wardrobe, I changed my hair, and I behaved more professionally when I went out to clients after that. And so as much as that feedback hurt from my boss and mentor throughout my career, I'll, I appreciate the feedback that Steve Brink gave me. I also had, and I don't know, Kim Rhea, if you have any thoughts about that. <laughs> well, I was going to, I was going to jump in with a question, which is, so I, I think about the, the feedback about put on lipstick and about don't be too bubbly. And it reminds me of feedback that I received in my, early in my career. I was actually in, I was in an interview. And I, I tend to laugh just because I, if I find it puts people at ease. And it was interesting that at the end of the interview, I got feedback that they found it curious that I laughed. And it was interesting because if I'm being honest, I took it personally because I felt like, my gosh, this is not feedback about my performance as whether or not I can do this job. It felt like it was feedback about me. And so I'm curious as to the examples that you gave, it, it could be easy to really internalize that and feel a certain way about it. And so I'm wondering, how did you navigate that and take it as what they're trying to say is this, that it's coming from a good place, but maybe didn't feel so good in the beginning? Yeah. And, and actually what the client had said was not as nice as what I heard from my boss at the time, I think. So it, it was definitely impactful to me and it took some time to not feel that hurt and like this is personal and to really also I think the relationship between my manager at the time and now mentor and me and that trust relationship that was there that I trusted that he was really trying to help me get better at what I'm doing and it was not out of any kind of malice or I'm going to fire you next time this happens. It was really a, there was a trust relationship and he really wanted to help me be better. Yes. And I do think that is something that when we have the conversations about feedback and over the years, I've trained a, a lot of managers on the technique of giving feedback. But one of the things that we maybe often miss is feedback is best received when it's from someone that we trust and who has demonstrated that they have a vested interest in our success. And then that helps us take what they've given us. And people, they say feedback is a gift and you're like, is it? but when it's from somebody, <laughs> but when it's from somebody that we know has demonstrated that they have a vested interest in our success, then it's easier to receive that feedback and to get to what they're trying to tell us and how they're trying to help us be successful. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I had another example along the way. So I had moved to work with Bristol Myers Squibb and I had another mentor there whose name is Rich Lodato. And as, your, as a compensation professional, people come to us with lots of crazy requests. And you might look at the request and you're like, there is no way we're doing that. And so, and 
a lot, and I'm pretty results oriented, I guess. And so I would go in with the client and they'd say, Hey, we, we would like to do this. And I'm like, no, that we can't do that. We're, there's no way we can do that. And the client would go to my boss and say, she didn't listen to me. She didn't hear me out. And so some of the best feedback I've had in my whole career was from Rich Lodato. And it was, even if in your heart, the answer is no, go in and hear them out because they might change your mind. You might have a different thought about it. And then hear them out, take notes, repeat back to them what you heard. And this is a client, a colleague, any, it could be anyone, but in this case, it was an internal client. And he said, and tell them you're going to ruminate on it, that you're going to sleep on it, that you want to give it some thought, and that maybe there's some other alternatives you would consider that you'll bring back. And what that does is it makes the client feel heard. It helps them know that I think that the problem that they have is important to me and mm-hmm. important enough to me that I'm going to sleep on it, that I'm going to consider it, that I'm going to think about some alternatives. And so that when I do go back to them, and maybe I do go back and say, hey, we're not going to do it the way you suggested, but here's an alternative, that I've given it the due diligence and I've respected that individual and they feel heard and respected. And that's the beginning of that trust relationship. Yes, because that, that is actually stellar advice. And I think I'm going to borrow that myself. What stands out to me about that is your willingness to take that feedback and internalize it and incorporate it. And I think that can be sometimes a challenge for people. And so how do you even get to that place where you're saying to yourself, I'm willing to really listen because I think I'm doing a great job. The answer is no, the result is no, we're getting there. But to hear that feedback, to take it in and then say, I am going to try it that way and maybe see if I can get to a different result. How does one get to that openness on receiving feedback? Anything you can share there? Sure. And it it hasn't always been easy. So so feedback sometimes can be very difficult. And sometimes you don't believe it. To your point, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm doing fine. I'm efficient. (laughs) I don't spend a lot of time worrying about this guy's problem. He's got the wrong answer. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That additional feedback I've had is that in a recent training course, I guess it was a two-year course here at RTI that lasted about a year. And I got 360 feedback. And I got feedback there that people really had, and this was positive and negative feedback, but people felt like I really got things done. They felt they could depend on my department and my staff to deliver what the organization needed and that we would deliver it in high quality and with good communication, which is really awesome feedback. And then there was this other part of it was that Marjorie doesn't seem very approachable. Marjorie sometimes doesn't include the right stakeholders that, as I mentioned earlier, having that results oriented. Mm-hmm. And I thought what's, what's helped me be very successful so far is yeah. that results oriented, right? Get it done. So to step back and rethink the seven habits, for example, that fast is slow and slow is fast, especially when you're working with people. And so to think about that feedback, I also feel it's important that I demonstrate that willingness to take feedback for my staff so that they see this is okay. It's okay if I tell you I messed up. One of my goals for my staff is to provide a safe space so we can innovate, where we trust each other. We can try things, take risks. If we're not open to failure, 
we might not get to some new, really crazy new program for our staff. And so demonstrating that ability and hearing it and then sharing it back with them. So I think the piece of feedback that I heard and mentioned to you, Camaria, at Unleash America was from an employee who reports to me. Her name is Linda. And we were talking about it. And I said, Linda, I'm not getting this feedback that like the people, my direct report feel pretty comfortable with me, Mm -hmm. but my indirect reports are afraid of me. And I'm thinking to myself, what's there to be afraid of? And she said, Marjorie, it's Marjorie, the person versus Marjorie, the VP. Tell me more about that. And she did. And I think what it was, it said I was maybe not balancing enough authenticity Mm -hmm. with professionalism. So it goes back to early, early in my career. There's a balance there that that we have to balance that. And that short story that you literally told me in about a minute, in that moment, I had so much admiration for you because one, the acknowledgement of one's position and role is important. And knowing that as we elevate in organizations, as we lead, teams, teams of teams and functions, that it does get difficult for people to share feedback with us because it requires a little bit of bravery for them to say, I have something I want to tell you. And the question of tell me more and inviting that person in to say, it's okay to give me feedback on where I'm going. I find that that maybe is not as common as we would like. And so I just want to dive into that a little bit about your willingness as someone who is very senior to really actively and proactively seek out feedback. Because I think the other thing that I I hear in your story is you have been open to it from the very beginning and you take it, you internalize it, you try to make, if there are necessary adjustments, you really try to do that. And that takes a lot of energy and effort as well. So I just am wondering, one, the willingness to even at this point in your career, still ask for feedback and act upon it. If you can share some words about that and then the continued journey of doing that all along the way. So I I will have to admit that there are evenings I go home and I cry and explain how I got this awful feedback from my staff <laughs> husband. And it, so it's not that, it, it, that I don't internalize it. And sometimes it feels emotional on the front end. And... I have learned through the years, okay, let myself feel that emotion and then get to work. And some feedback, we have to look at it and say, that may not be the right input for me, Mm -hmm. right? That the suggestion that a person is making may not quite be right. So sometimes feedback, we have to just put aside and depending on the nature of it. And so, but I think I'm learning to determine and I'm still learning. So this is such a long process. And I hope I'll have it throughout the rest of my life because I will assure you that my three sons give me plenty of feedback. <laughs> my son as well. I'm with you on that. So I will say that this organization does have, I'd say, a culture of openness to and a culture of trust for the most part. And I mentioned a story to you when we had our pre-meeting on this that our CEO, his name is Tim Gable. He's a new CEO at RTI. He just started in February of last year. And he does a president's forum on a quarterly basis. And during the president's forum, he used terminology that was 
was not aligned with the terminology that we use in the compensation department. And we had been working really hard to change people's thinking on this. And it was very simple. It was cost of living versus cost of labor. So when we think about how much we pay, we pay based on cost of labor, not cost of living. Well, in his speech, he said cost of living. So, okay, Marjorie, what do you do with this, right? <laughs> so I shoot off a private email to Tim Gable and I say, Tim, this probably isn't the right way to start our new working relationship with you as my CEO. However, I do mean to like that we use cost of labor, not cost of living. And I just want to lay that. And three days later, I see this email pop up to all employees at RTI saying, during my president's forum, I actually used language that was incorrect. I said cost of living and RTI uses cost of living. And I thought I was going to fall out of my chair camera <laughs> when I saw that. So he just came out to the whole staff and said, I made a mistake. And I think that vulnerability, people came to me after that and said, I cannot believe he did that. Yeah. None of us would have ever expected a CEO to do that. Everybody in the organization, 6,000 employees. Yes. And so it was, it's that demonstrating vulnerability, mm -hmm. demonstrating the willingness to admit when we're wrong and correct it. I mean, we have to learn from our mistakes, of course. If he kept doing it, that would be a different thing. With right, right. He hasn't. So I think that I have had really great mentors and teachers along the way to say, and in setting the culture where it's safe, right? Yeah. First of all, it's amazing to see that happen at the CEO level because it has such a huge impact on how leaders underneath him will also carry themselves. And it trickles all the way down to the team level. And there is something about knowing and understanding the importance of your actions and what you're cueing to people through your behaviors to say, I know that if I send this email that says, hey, oops, well, I said something in a town hall that was just shy of what I meant to say. And here's what I really meant. Provides an example for people that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to give feedback to say you made a mistake. And I'll tell you one of the things on our team we have a saying where we say it's okay to call the baby ugly or please don't send the baby out with Mitch Max bows, which basically <laughs> means, listen, it's okay to say something because we don't want our work product going out in a way that would not make us proud. So if anybody sees anything, nothing is precious here, call the baby ugly or tell me the bows are not matching, we will fix it. But I think just even a little saying like that, just having words that cue people to say, it's safe to give feedback. And I'll have team members who will say, so in the spirit of calling the baby ugly, and I'm like, yes, I'm listening. <laughs> but it is something about knowing our, our weight as leaders and the tone and example that we set for people that encourages them. So thank you for sharing that story. I think it's a fantastic one. Is there anything else when you think about other leaders and giving feedback, is there any other advice or suggestions that you might share with your peers or others about receiving feedback and creating that safe space? Definitely. And I will say, I love the ugly baby thing. And I actually <laughs> start using that with my team because that is my goal is to have a safe space where we can call the baby ugly. And I never send anything out that I don't have peer review. And then maybe somebody who reports to me at two levels down, I just want somebody to peer review it. So I guess that what I would say is that the advice is to stay humble. None of us are perfect. And I 
honestly think that humble leaders are well-liked, better, better liked and followed more eagerly. The humility that Tim Gable, my CEO, showed by doing that, it was inspiring. It made me want to follow him. And lots of other people felt the same way. So having humility and sharing vulnerability, I think, are really key to setting that tone for a trust relationship where you can create that safe space. I'd say also maybe stay curious, continue to ask questions and keep your mind open. And at the same time, lead with the confidence, knowing that you've selected good people who will be able to solve the problem. Yes. And then there's that. And then I think the final thing is back to that balance of you're in a meeting and your head is going to explode. But it's really important to maintain because if your head explodes, people are going to be afraid. They're going to freak out. (laughs) Think to innovate or take risks, right? So keeping that calm, confident demeanor. I love that. I, I love that advice. I love the thinking about giving yourself some space. And again, the awareness of a leader that we are setting a tone. And so we have to show up a certain way and we give feedback. It really is helping us to understand if the way we are leading is impactful for the way we want to influence people or not and taking it in that vein is important. Something that just came to my to my mind is, have you found that as you sort of increase your willingness to receive feedback and hear from other people, that they are also then more willing to hear feedback from you. Have you seen any relationship there? Definitely. And my team do ask me for feedback. I do weekly one-on-ones with all of my direct reports, and I do relatively frequent skip levels with my indirect reports. And so in those meetings, I always ask for feedback, and they ask me for feedback. So it's and it's not like an agenda item. It's yeah. more of a culture. I do find that it's a two-way street. It has been my experience that the more that I am willing to allow people to give me feedback and to, uh, to your point, internalize it, take it in. Sometimes I'm like, okay, yes. Sometimes I'm like, thank you for that. And no. <laughs> but no. Then, right? But then... To your point, the trust is built that when I need to give them feedback, going back to what you said in the very beginning, that trust relationship is built. So when I have to say, hey, can I pull you aside? So I want to share a couple things with you that it's not that it doesn't feel like I'm giving feedback from up here and I'm above it. But we are two people invested in each other's success. And I find that people are more open in that way. Exactly. I thought of something else, Kim Maria, if I can tell like one more yes, story. Do. Absolutely. This was. Quite some time ago, and I, I was doing sales compensation and incentive compensation at Bristol Myers Squibb. And I was in a, it was a relatively large meeting with a lot of sales leaders. And we took a break, like a bio break, and I walked out into the hall. And a woman who was a vice president sales leader came to me and said, Marjorie, don't ever ask if you can ask a question. And I looked at her and I said, what? And she said, of course you can ask. You don't have to ask permission, just ask the question. And it was like so touching and meaningful to me that a more experienced sales leader would pull the little old me kind of comp person aside and give me good advice, particularly for a female. I think in a lot of times we're a little more timid about wanting to interject our opinions in a big meeting full of a lot of people. And so for her to say that to me, I thought, 
that was really special to me. And she'll never know how meaningful that was to me and how I've shared that in my career with other women. She'll never know that. But it was, she's had a big impact on a lot of people, I think. Oh, I see. That's not the perfect example of feedback as a gift. (laughs) I don't know what is. And even the thoughtfulness to take time to give you that feedback from a position of, I can tell that she cares about me and I can tell that she cares about my success. So I absolutely get that. Marjorie, it has been an absolute pleasure having this discussion with you. I'm grateful to Unleash for bringing us together because it's been just a joy to talk to you and to hear your story and share it with other people about how important it is to be able to receive feedback as we go through our careers. So on behalf of the listeners, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Cameron. This has been my pleasure. And it it gave me an opportunity to go down memory lane and think about all of the awesome folks that I have worked with who have given me feedback, who have helped me along in my career. So thank you. I really do appreciate the opportunity. And I've been so excited to start to listen to your podcast more. I will be listening for others. I love to hear that. I absolutely do. There are great stories being told by amazing leaders just like yourself. And if people wanted to say hello to you, is LinkedIn the best way to do that? Yes, LinkedIn. I think it's Marjorie-Williamson-CCP, which means Certified Compensation Professional, or Marjorie Williamson. You'll you'll find me. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And, and for those of you who are listening, I hope Marjorie's parting words encourage you to say thank you to someone who has given you feedback. So if there's someone who's shown a vested interest in your success and has stopped and taken their time to give you feedback, Take a moment, send that person a note, say thank you, and we hope to see you here at Manager to Manager again in the future.